estrogen has a positive effect on serotonin, which is our happy hormone, and dopamine, which is our reward hormone that gives us that motivation. And estrogen also makes us insulin sensitive. And so when we've got lower levels of estrogen, we become more insulin resistant. So a lot of women say, oh, I eat exactly the same. I exercise the same, but I'm putting this this fat on around the central wheel. And then progesterone, with that being lower, that causes us to have low GABA, which is a calming chemical neurotransmitter in the brain. So we too tend to get a bit more irate, more angry. That is the voice of Dr. Millie Rosada. She is a lifestyle medicine doctor who believes that understanding our hormones can unlock the key to our health. I'm Liz Earle and this is the Liz Earle Wellbeing Show, the podcast helping us all have a better second half. And as I'm sure you know by now, I am on such a mission to find ways for all of us to thrive in later life, not just survive, but thrive by investing in our health and our well-being today. And we do have more control than we might think over our ability to thrive as we age. You know by now that I'm incredibly interested in functional and lifestyle medicine. I love the fact that we can take control of our health and well-being certainly up to a point, our mood, our energy levels, resilience, resistance to disease, so much more. All this by how we actually live. And I find that hugely empowering. How we work, eat, sleep, move, even down to what we think about, all important elements we largely have complete control over. Well, amidst all of this, of course, lies hormonal dysfunction, the root cause of many chronic health conditions. And hormones are just at the heart of our experience of perimenopause and menopause too. But before we reach for a repeat medication prescription, should we be thinking about the power we already have within us to impact our hormones through lifestyle choices instead? Dr. Millie Rosada is a GP and lifestyle medicine doctor, and she's written a book called Happy Hormones, Happy You. In it, she explains why and how we have much more power to make our hormones work with us rather than against us than we might think. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, Millie, welcome. I love the fact that you are so incredibly passionate about lifestyle medicine and hormonal health in particular. As is often the case, you came to a lot of this as a result of your own experiences, didn't you? 
I did, yes. Thank you so much for having me today, Liz. But yes, it has been a very emotional journey with my hormones over the years. And that's kind of what's propelled me on to really dig deep into the science and what we can do in our lifestyle to improve our hormonal health. Because I think a lot of chronic disease is lifestyle driven. 80% of chronic disease is lifestyle driven. And instead of trying to put a plaster on the actual problem, it's trying to look at the root cause and actually see what we can do in our lifestyle to not only treat it, but also prevent and reverse if possible. And I don't think that's what we talk about enough on the NHS. And mm. I think, you know, the NHS is a great service that we have. It's great from population health needs. But in terms of reversing and preventing conditions, I think a lot more work on lifestyle needs to be done. And it's very difficult in that 10 minutes that we have to try and achieve it. Absolutely. And I'm very interested actually in, in your journey and you say, you know, that you started your periods young, you were eating an unhealthy diet, you developed symptoms consistent with PCOS, which I'd love to talk to you about actually about the polycystic ovarian syndrome. And, you know, your your lifestyle as a young medic, you know, didn't really help mm. you with any of this, did it? Do you, can, can, can you talk a little bit to that? Because I think a lot of people will really relate to that. Yeah, so I, um, you know, went to university age 18, very slim, very slender, very relatively healthy when I joined university. And then with the long hours of going to hospital placements, doing the night shifts, I did eat a lot of unprocessed foods. There was lack of sleep. And it's the culminating effects of multiple lifestyle pillars that were working against me. Mm. So I put a large amount of weight on. Did you? Obesity was a problem. Yeah. And then got married at a young age and then I tried for children, but obviously I was having irregular periods. I didn't have periods for every only every three to four months because I had polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm. And so all of these things, even though, yes, I learned them in a medical textbook, it's when you're suffering them yourself and when you're actually in that moment, it makes you realise what you need to do. Now, at that point in my life, because it was so hectic, I was working full time, trying to get pregnant. We had quite a few miscarriages, which was a problem relating to not able to maintain or have enough progesterone to support the pregnancy. I had a bit of fertility assistance and then had my children, worked all the hours God sends after having the children, burnt out very quickly. Right. And then noticed that, I mean, I've always been very hormonally sensitive, always knew that in that luteal phase, in that two weeks before my period, I became quite emotional, very erratic at times. And so then my PMS, I noticed, had worsened, but it came to a point where it was severe enough to be diagnosed as PMDD. And I remember seeing a specialist at the time and he told me about it. And I thought, what is this? You know, this is not something I've covered in my curriculum when I was at school, done my exams. I did very well, you know, came one of the top in the medical school. And this is not something I'd heard of. So they quickly induced a medical menopause in myself. Oh my they um, gave me really? um, GNRH. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I still remember the day I, I phoned my husband at the time and said, he, wa- he wants me to make a decision now, what should I do? And he said, Millie. oh, you should um, you should have it. And I said, really? Oh, it was, I still remember. And Because I walked into the room and um, it was a very pleasant male gynecologist and I sat down and the first thing I did was just burst into tears. And, you know, just that in itself, I think he just said, look, I know what the diagnosis yes. is straight away. I explained what my symptoms were. And then I ended up having that injection and GNRH is gonadotrophin releasing hormone. And that basically stimulates your ovaries to release an egg. Now, if you give such a high dose, 
then it can actually downregulate and suppress that. So essentially, it put me into a medical menopause. So all I can liken it to when I first had it in the first few weeks was not just one menstrual cycle. I felt like I was having a culmination of five or six. You know, the heightened response that I got from my hormones was just intense. I remember emailing him saying, not really feeling great. Is this normal? And he said it will pass, you know, after a few weeks. And it did, because then I didn't ovulate after that. Okay, so can can we just backtrack a bit here? Because there are a few things that I'm really not aware of. PMDD, first of all, what does that stand for? And then what on earth is this injection? And is it being given routinely? And to whom? And you know, what are the effects? Why is it being given? And what are the side effects? So PMDD is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And It is a disorder which is a cyclical disorder. So it occurs in that luteal phase, typically the two weeks before menstrual period. And premenstrual syndrome is, a, I would say, a milder form. PMDD is a very severe form of how we react to our own hormones. And it can cause a multitude of symptoms from being very teary, the way that we're coping with things at the time, very quite low mood. And there's a very high risk of suicide in people who suffer with PMDD. And What's very interesting is that when people are perimenopausal, when the hormones are very erratic, that's when incidence and prevalence of the condition tends to be problematic. And we do see it present a lot more in that midlife Mm -hmm. phase. So women, you know, from 35 onwards, we're seeing an increased incidence of it because of the erratic nature of hormones in that phase anyway. Because some months we may ovulate, some months we may not. The levels of hormones are going up and down. There's quite a lot of research into the area now about genes that may be implicated in epigenetics, so our lifestyle and how that can interact with our genes to make people more susceptible, which is a very interesting area of work. But the injection I had, which is um, GnRH, which sounds like a bit of a mouthful, but it's it's basically in the master gland in the brain that stimulates your ovaries to produce an egg each month. The GnRH stimulates that. But if you give it in such a high dose, it will stop that feedback and actually stop you from ovulating because of the high dose nature of the injection. So that's how best I can describe it. So when I originally got it, had this flood of hormones, but then it all got down regulated and had to have them regularly every um, every three months. But I basically stopped my periods and went through this medical menopause for about 18 months, it was. And, you know, that was the most stable really I felt the most stable I felt was during pregnancy when there was Mm -hmm. no massive fluctuations of hormones and then obviously after this injection but then there came a point when I'd had time to kind of have a bit of respite and think well what can I do what can I do to help it I don't want to be on I don't want to have this injection regularly Mm -hmm. what can I do in my lifestyle that's when I really started thinking what can I do in my nutrition plan what can I eat exercise What is it in my lifestyle that are triggering my symptoms to be worse? So I have massively turned myself round. I'm not on currently, you know, everyone's individual. Everyone needs to see the healthcare practitioner about what's appropriate for them. But myself at the moment, I'm on no medication for my hormonal condition. It's mainly managed through lifestyle. And I'm a huge advocate of the power of lifestyle Mm. to 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 help balance your hormones and it's not talked about enough yeah. it really isn't and there's so many people that aren't hormone intelligent you know i know that you're an ambassador for the menopause charity and so you'll know 90% of people aren't even aware of, yes. of of menopause and what that actually means so education is massively needed not just in that midlife but actually 
preparing people for that midlife, it's essential. Can you talk to us a little bit about PCOS? Because this is something that I'm hearing more and more about. I'm aware of more and more women, younger women and midlife women being diagnosed with this. What is it? And is this something that can also be controlled or assisted with lifestyle changes? So polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, a syndrome is a collection of symptoms. So people can have varying symptoms. I know that they've recently changed the diagnostic criteria, but we look at certain things. When anyone comes into us to see us, the first thing that we do is take a really thorough history. So you need to speak to them and find out what the problem is. They might be saying that the periods aren't regular. They're getting problems where they're, you know, because of the irregular period, they're not, you know, they're struggling to get pregnant. So there are some problems that people may face. Other problems, acne, excess hair, because you can sometimes get increased androgens in the condition. And then also on an ultrasound scan, you know, putting jelly on your tummy, looking at those ovaries, you can see these cysts, which are basically eggs that are wanting to try and be released from the ovary that are kind of not fully been released. And that that's what those cysts are. I know we call them cysts, but it's just the protrusion of those immature kind of follicles from the ovary. So people have a diagnosis based on certain number of criteria because people are very different. Mine was very much, I was getting a lot of acne, excess hair, so hirsutism, and I had irregular periods. You don't necessarily have to have those so-called cysts on your ovaries to have a diagnosis. So it's based on multiple things that we look at and then we decide whether people fulfil that criteria to have a diagnosis. Now, no one really told me when I was given that diagnosis what I can do in my lifestyle at all. You know, like I've mentioned, I was overweight, bordering on obese. No one said, you know, are you having a lot of processed food, which is driving an insulin resistance? No one mentioned that at all. However, when I did start eating a lot more whole, clean foods that were unprocessed and dramatically lost a lot of weight, my period started becoming every 28 days, right. my acne and started to improve and I naturally did fall pregnant but there was issues just like I mentioned about maintaining the pregnancies I did have quite a lot of miscarriages we didn't no one really talked to me about Mm. what I should be eating and because I was so busy you know I was doing a full-time junior doctor job you know groundhog day every day you know just constantly getting through the day and not really you know even though in our job it's very much telling people what they should do to look after themselves not really looking after myself. Yeah, and, and of course, it's just so normalised, isn't it? You know, the, the ultra-processed foods are around us all the time. It's become normal to, you know, have a bag of crisps every day and not think about it, to go into McDonald's, to drink, you know, I don't know, artificially sweetened drinks and just, you know, anything out of a packet, chuck something in a microwave and heat it up without any thought that that actually could be driving so much of how we're feeling from gut health issues to hormonal mm. health. And this message is, I mean, it's so obvious, isn't it? I mean, it's like kind of once you see it, you can't unsee it. And yet it just hasn't hasn't filtered through. And it's extraordinary that you, as a doctor, suffering with these symptoms and having had all that medical training, were still blissfully unaware that you could actually help yourself and make yourself feel and, and look better. I didn't really know the impact, how significant lifestyle changes in multiple areas would would have on me and I'm and when I started to look at that and notice those changes it was it was phenomenal you know it was I was so inflamed there was so much inflammation going on had such poor gut health such an imbalance in my hormones and just through looking at what I ate but not just what I ate but when I ate you know adding a little bit of intermittent fasting in exercising in accordance with my menstrual cycle not just doing 
five, six, seven high intensity sessions every single week in the luteal phase as well, which will drive cortisol. Yeah. Okay. So listen, let's let's cover off exactly what hormones are, what we're talking about, so that we can really understand if we're going to hack into them and have happier hormones. What hormones are we talking about? You know, you've talked about things like the luteal phase. Let's talk about what mm-hmm. that is. You've talked about things like cortisol, obviously, which is associated with stress. You know, hormones, bottom line, you know, what are they? Um, what are they actually doing within the body, particularly for women? Yeah. So, I mean, hormones are essential to men and women, and they are chemical messengers within the blood that sends messages from one place to another. And there's multiple, multiple hormones. And in my book, I talk about the main ones that are relevant, especially to the midlife woman. You know, when we talk about female hormones, we typically talk about estrogen and progesterone. But we do also need to remember that Yes, we have got 10% of the testosterone levels of men, but, you know, 50% of our testosterone is made in the ovary. So when we do go through that change, we're losing 50% of testosterone. So that's not talked about enough as well. Um, So, you know, those sex hormones, progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, they're not just about making babies. They're not just about, you know, childbearing. We have receptors for those hormones all over our body. So if we start from the top, we have them in our brain. So we know that these hormones are so important for brain health and we know how important it is for skin health. You know, a lot of women who transition in the midlife find they get drier, flakier skin for the musculoskeletal system. So the muscles, the joints, they notice they get stiffness and pain in the joints. There's so many things it's important for. I mean, one thing I've noticed I've got having flare up as recently is I've been getting a lot of dry eyes. So I've been getting a lot of blepharitis Mm -hmm. and, you know, I've got an appointment later today with an optician, but I said, like I said to him, I said, this is occurring every single month. It's hormonally when I've driven. Had my LH, yeah. It's hormonally driven. Yeah, when yeah. I have my LH spike and my testosterone's high, I get a blocked duct. I said, it's like acne of my eyelids. And he just said, I think it might be because you're stressed. And I said, no, it's no. my hormones, which, you know, cortisol may be causing an imbalance there. But it was yes. the fact that it's just not thought of holistically with that whole patient in front of you, what is going on. Um, every single month, I get another sty, another infected blepharitis mm-hmm. in my eye. And, and not one person has said, oh, yes, this is hormonally mediated not one person so what what is this luteal phase then you talk about two weeks before your period Mm -hmm. talk us through what is happening inside the body hormonally so um so the first two weeks i think of as the follicular phase so that hormone i mentioned earlier gnrh stimulates your ovaries to make an egg mature so when that egg's being matured in the first two weeks of your period what we're wanting to do is make an egg so we can ovulate The first two weeks of your period, your estrogen levels rise. And then day 14, which is the mid-cycle, is when you get a surge in a hormone called LH, which is luteinizing hormone. And that stimulates that egg that you've nicely prepared in those initial two weeks to be released and ovulated. So usually people who are regular every 28 days, day 14 is when you would release that egg. And how does that make you feel? What what Does that have any physiological changes, you know, mentally or emotionally? Oh, well, so, I mean, obviously that LH spike will trigger testosterone release as well. And that's why, you know, mother nature, that's when people can feel a lot more, the sex drive increases, they're a lot more extrovert, they want to be more sociable, because that's mm-hmm. when people are naturally meant to mate and reproduce. So, you know, the follicular phase, I am 
I am on top of the world. I feel my that's when I get all my business. <laughs> we'll get, get all my business ideas. I got yeah. my book written the majority of the okay. time in that follicular phase. It's um, it's really a, it's a superpower. You should harness the you know the effects that these hormones have on our health. Now, once you've ovulated, you have to ovulate for that egg then to produce progesterone. Now, that progesterone helps support a potential pregnancy. So then in that luteal phase, which is the two weeks before your period, it's called the luteal phase because the remnants of the follicle that's caused the egg to be released is called the corpus luteum. So it's called the luteal phase. In that phase, your progesterone goes up nicely. And that's a really calming hormone. It's a very anti-inflammatory hormone, Mm. very much like estrogen. Estrogen, you know, when you're metabolizing it properly, again, is very anti-inflammatory. And so progesterone is as well and it stimulates GABA in the brain and it helps with sleep and it's really a nice calming hormone and that's what we want in that phase we want to not be doing seven high intensity exercise workouts per week we want to be nourishing and Mm -hmm. nurturing a baby interestingly in this phase the studies show that we have an increase in our metabolic rate by you know up to nine percent so people feel a lot a lot not everyone but most people do find that their hunger increases in this time because what we're doing is trying to support a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. We're trying to nourish it and nurture it with macro and micronutrients to support a potential pregnancy. Now, if that egg does not meet sperm, then basically your progesterone level falls, estrogen levels are low, and you you shed the lining of your room, which will be day one of the next cycle. So it, that's the way that the cycle kind of works. Okay, so now what about those who are perimenopausal or menopausal, postmenopausal? They're obviously not releasing eggs. So are, are women still having the same cycle of mood or do we suddenly become completely stable? I mean, it, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? So, and then if you add in hormone replacement therapy and you're replacing those hormones that might otherwise have been released, how is that influencing the body and, and how we might feel? So in the perimenopause, um, some people have regular periods but some people don't ovulate every single month sometimes they miss a period and if you're not ovulating then you're not going to get that progesterone increasing in that luteal phase so some people find that they get a lot more anxious they get a lot more panicky in in that time so because they don't have the progesterone to to keep them calm yeah got you yes exactly Mm -hmm. And, and but but everyone so a lot of people find that sometimes because if you don't ovulate regularly, sometimes you can have really quite big surges in your hormones. Sometimes there's a really lovely graph, actually, um, which shows how in that luteal phase, your hormones can be very, very erratic, whereas normally it's quite smooth on a graph. They can go very, mm. very high, and that can trigger people's migraines. So so that's why right. all of these symptoms that people suffer with in the perimenopause can be so variable because of fluctuating hormones, more so yeah. than just the normal phase. And then obviously in the post-menopausal period of someone's life, you know, your ovaries have gone into retirement. And so the ovaries stop producing the sex hormones. So you've now got a lower level, baseline level of estrogen and progesterone. And estrogen, yes, when it rises, it stimulates dopamine and serotonin in the brain. It's so important for brain health. And so Mm. obviously when levels of that are low, people find that they've got no motivation, limited energy and so it's very important to kind of differentiate between actual you know clinical depression which is a psychiatric problem or is it hormonally related because if it is hormonally related 
then it may be appropriate to replace people's hormones. So it's mm. it's it's very nuanced and everyone is individual about how we should try and manage symptoms. But there's so much in lifestyle that we can do to hack your hormones, really, to yes. you know, help balance them. You know, and yes, HRT, if people have a preference to take it and they wish to take it and it's appropriate mm. for them to take then, you know, that in conjunction with lifestyle changes can yes. have a huge impact on people's health. I, I absolutely hear you. I mean, for me, HRT was completely transformational and I simply wouldn't be without it. But it's not something that I would ever say is going to work on its own. You know, in fact, what I found from my experience is that it gave me back my motivation and my energy mm. to be able to then invest more time in myself. I actually started, you know, hitting the gym and I took up running and I felt happier and more confident in myself. And I got out of a difficult relationship and, you know, I started to kind of live my life more and actually control things like sugar cravings and mood I'm eating better than I've ever eaten before because those hormones are under control so I would you know always I think you know concur with you say yes HRT you know likely to be very helpful but it's it's not just that is it you know you, you do need to then move on and look at all these other factors particularly things like diet and mm. what about things like endocrine disruptors do you cover that in your book I do yes so there is a chapter on um, toxic substances and exposure because this is again something that we don't really talk about enough so there's lots of xenoestrogens which are estrogen mimickers for example so that might be things within our food that might be you know if we're not having organic food if there's foods that are pumped with antibiotics that can all disrupt our hormones a lot of our households and beauty products as well it's making sure that there's you know there's a low level of toxins within those because parabens and other hormone and endocrine disruptors can cause an impact and mimic the action of hormones and stopping the correct hormones from latching onto the receptors as they should you know whether it's just even bpa and also teflon and the, the sub substances that can be produced from non-stick pans it's knowing what you can do in your lifestyle and making little changes in that mm -hmm. that can reduce that toxic load and you know not only in the midlife do people suffer with this decline in hormones it's the cumulative effect over those years you know over 30 40 years of miniature exposures to these toxic substances over years in addition to the lack of hormones and it's just a magnitude of multiple things happening to cause this perfect storm and that's why so many people are struggling in the midlife um but it but it's fascinating um about a lot of the endocrine disruptors can be obesogens as well you know they can cause obesity and it's not just about excess alcohol and smoking and stopping smoking it's looking at what can we do in our lifestyle to try and avoid all of these toxic substances that we're facing all the time you know there's uh, something called the dirty dozen which michael greger talks about in terms of foods that have got high pesticide kind of residue due to you know farming and the changing in the way that we farmed and so it's just being aware that in those foods, for example, we should be buying those organic if possible. And then there is the clean 15 foods, which is, you know, foods that, that aren't as susceptible to these residue pesticides. So it's having this knowledge so that when you are, you're more informed, you know, because I've seen I've seen yourself, you know, when you go to the supermarket, look at the labels. But really things that are unprocessed don't have a label, do they? You know, an apple is an apple. <laughs> it's 100% apple. So it's it's actually just having that kind of knowledge when you're when you're going into that supermarket being armed with 
actually what are you going to buy? Okay, Millie, let's come back in a moment and talk more about understanding our hormones. We are going to drill into that topic of estrogen dominance because I do not pretend to understand it and I'm hearing more and more about it on social media. I know it's controversial, so I would like to cover it. And also helping us to better understand some of our menopause symptoms, you know, feeling sweaty, exhausted, snapping at people around us, you know, mood changes and all the things that we can also help improve, hopefully, with just a few very simple lifestyle changes. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, welcome back. And we have established, I think, that we do want to be looking at the root causes here hormonally. I am going to ask you straight up now, Millie, what is oestrogen dominance? Why are we hearing about it now? And why is it controversial? Yes, it, is, it does spark quite a lot of controversy in the health space. Oestrogen um, dominance hasn't got an actual defined definition. And that's one of the biggest problems. And because it's no definition, it's not really been extensively studied. Some people do think it is a real thing where other people don't even believe it's an entity. Now, what we do know um, that estrogens are a group of hormones. There isn't just one, there is a group of them. And the three main ones that we look at are estrone, which is E1, estradiol, which is E2, and then estriol, which is E3. Different ones predominate at different phases of our life. So when we've gone through the change, our ovaries aren't producing the estrogen. However, our adrenal glands still do produce testosterone and kind of androgens which get converted to estrone in fat cells, for example. So that's why sometimes women find it really difficult 
to get rid of that belly fat because those fat cells are an endocrine organ converting the androgens to it is an estrogen and that gives you that background estrogen as well so people who tend to feel like that well people who are overweight and obese will produce more of this e1 estrone which can be quite inflammatory so i know i mentioned earlier that we're looking at the correct proportions of estrogen because estrogen is anti-inflammatory however if you're starting to produce a lot of inflammatory estrone from the fat cells that can drive metabolic dysfunction, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So how do we then prevent that from happening? I mean, how would we A, recognise it within ourselves and B, prevent it? So estrogen dominance, um, I like to think of it, um, and within the holistic medicine world and a lot of integrative and functional medicine doctors, they do see it as a concept because there's people coming in you know, having HRT and saying, look, I'm not feeling better. And the reason is, is I like to think of estrogen dominance is where as with anything where there's an excess, are you taking in too much? Are you not breaking it down or are you not getting rid of it? So there's three main components mm-hmm. there. So you can have an increase of, I mentioned earlier, those toxic substances, the xenoestrogens, that's adding to that load. If you're having xenoestrogens in addition to HRT, for example, that's increasing your load of estrogen. Now, estrogen, as with all hormones, they need to be broken down and got rid of in the body. They're excreted from the body. Mm-hmm. Now, estrogen's broken down in three phases, two phases in the liver and one phase in the gut. So you need to have optimal liver health to be able to break down these hormones. Mm-hmm. So people who are drinking excessively, if they've got obesity and they've got a bit of excess fat sat on the liver, that's all going to impact the function of the liver. So that's why it's so important that we have optimal liver health. Now, the two phases of detox that occur in the liver for estrogen, basically the estrogen becomes water soluble and then it renders it harmless. They're the two phases. So it's methylated and they add a sulfur group to the estrogen. Now, to do that, you know, you've got genes that do this process and then you need micro and macronutrients to support those genes. You know, so you need B vitamins, you need magnesium, you need compounds in food so sulforaphane and cruciferous vegetables you need all of these substances to do this process so people who've got a genetic susceptibility where they can't methylate properly for example or they've got issues with the way that they process the estrogen in those pathways are going to find they get a backlog and an increase in estrogens if if, does that make sense? I'm trying to simplify it as much as possible. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I'm fascinated by this. And I've, I've got a, a book coming out called A Better Second Half. And I, I look at longevity and, and midlife and hormone health in that. And the word methylation is something that we're hearing more and more about. And it's becoming, hopefully, slightly more widely understood. And even just simple things like, you know, even if you don't want to understand all the biochemistry and the science behind it, even to things, as you say, eating the brassicas, eating your broccoli, your cabbage, you know, these sulfurous vegetables is going to help process estrogen and help improve the liver and help with our methylation. It doesn't really matter whether you understand it or not. We just know it's a good thing. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it, exactly. You know, and, and we know broccoli sprouts have got a really high, mm. um, you know, source of um, dim and sulforaphane. And, you know, I got mine from Abel and Cole. And actually, they're really nice on the bed of a salad, mm-hmm. you know, just pour a bit of uh, olive oil. And, and I've been eating a lot more cruciferous vegetables. Yeah. because You know, we've just had Christmas, Brussels sprouts, again, great, great source. Love and that. you can, there's so much... <laughs> Even if you just add it to an omelette with a bit of, you know, um, chorizo, it, you, there's so much that you can do to make everything in your food hormone healthy and hormone balancing. Healthy. You, 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 
You mentioned DIM. What was that just before we move on? So DIM is, it stands for diindolyl methane, and it's basically a plant compound of phytonutrients found in cruciferous vegetables, you know, your cabbages, broccoli and cauliflower. And it helps break down estrogen, you know, in phase one and phase two of the metabolism, which occurs in the liver. If people have, let's say, nutrigenomic tests, which look at yep, which what I've genes... Done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which see what genes are working and if you've got a faulty gene and you have a predominance to drive estrogen in certain pathways, then you know that perhaps you might need to take some DIM to drive a pathway. And so supplementation mm-hmm. may be appropriate. So food first is always something I advocate, but supplementation in people who necessarily might need a little bit of extra help. And then the third phase of estrogen detox occurs in your gut. Have you heard of um, like a collection of organisms in your gut called the estrobilome. Estrobilome, I have. I've written about them in my book. I mean, this is, again, fairly new science. And I, I, I wrote one of the first consumer books, actually, on gut health nearly 10 years ago called The Good Gut Guide. And, and the term, the estrobilome, had not been created or discovered or invented then. And as I, as I understand it, it's, it's this collection of, of gut microbes that work on estrogen and, and, and work on hormonal activity for women. It is, yes. And it is like it, like you said, it's a new emerging kind of science. But we know that that, so basically what happens is to get rid of your estrogen, you need to make it water soluble and you conjugate it. So you then, once it's conjugated, you can excrete it in your urine. So in the olden days, we used to use conjugated horse urine for the older forms of HRT. Mm, things okay. like um, pre- so, Premarin, that's what Premarin, isn't it? Premarin, exactly. Pre- pregnant yep, mare's that's urine, right. that's what it stands for, Premarin, which of course yeah, is yeah. not normally used now. Now it, it comes from plants and wild yams, so it's uh, no no animals involved, thankfully. So so in that, in that estrobilome, you have a group of organisms, and if there's organisms that possess an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase, it actually unconjugates the estrogen, And then you reabsorb it back into the body and it adds to the load. So what you're wanting is to have a diverse group of organisms in that gut microbiome so that you're not deconjugating. So have you heard of something called calcium deglucurate? No. It's a it's basically, again, um, found in plant foods. It is a um, it's a phytonutrient, but you can get supplementation of this as well. So if people are having problems with the gut health where it's causing reabsorption of these estrogens, then calcium deglucurate will stop that organism deconjugating it and stop it being reabsorbed. So that can be useful for some people who suffer with what we say, you know, estrogen dominance, because the symptoms that people suffer with, they're told that all the hormone levels are normal, but they suffer with migraines, difficulty losing weight, belly fat, cellulite, so many symptoms that people can suffer with with this estrogen dominance. And like I said, it's because there's no widely defined definition, which makes it very difficult to do clinical studies on what it is. What we do know from a physiological point of view is that when you break down estrogen, it goes into different pathways. Like you said, you've had your you've had some nutrigenomic tests. We know that to break down estrogen, it goes down different enzymes and pathways And if you're driving a certain pathway that might be increasing, for example, it might be more damaging to your cells because it's producing more quinones, for example, then we're wanting to drive it so that it's balanced. 
So that information is really quite useful, but it's not something we test on the NHS. This is the problem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So women are coming in complaining of, you know, these symptoms of estrogen dominance and they're being set, you know, if a GP does do some blood tests and their estrogen's normal, they're saying, well, your estrogen normal, you know, and this is the problem. We're not looking at how the estrogen is being broken down. And that's where I think we need to focus on. Okay, so in a nutshell, then, if your symptoms are not clearing, if you are menopausal and you are on HRT and you're replacing your estrogen, but it's not being cleared properly, adopting some lifestyle changes, you don't even need to go and do expensive tests. You can just simply, mm. you know, do these lifestyle changes that you talk about in your book, you know, have your, your broccoli sprouts, your, your, your brassicas, your cabbage, and, and get back in control with your gut and your liver health in particular. You know, look at fatty liver and we know fatty liver disease is also such a killer. Can we talk about more broadly some of the symptoms that I mentioned earlier? So, you know, feeling sweaty, exhausted, snapping at people around us, you know, even that, that stubborn belly fat and just really feeling out of control. You know, feeling anxious and angry is, is not a comfortable place to be. And I think it's very helpful actually to know that it's not our default it's not our personality that's coming through but it's it's being hormonally driven but of course we want ways to combat that so that we feel calm and happy and presumably there are some lifestyle changes and decisions that we can make that are empowering that we can make on our own accord without resorting to medication that will actually improve so many of these symptoms 100 um, percent and so as i mentioned earlier about how when we have lowering hormones estrogen and progesterone They've got so many functions other than just childbearing. So estrogen has a positive effect on serotonin, which is our happy hormone, and dopamine, which is our reward hormone that gives us that motivation. And so when we've got low levels of that, we can suffer with poor energy, lacking in motivation. And estrogen also makes us insulin sensitive. And so when we've got lower levels of estrogen, we become more insulin resistant. So a lot of women say, oh, I eat exactly the same. I exercise the same, but I'm putting this this fat on around the you know, this central wheel. And it's because, as I mentioned earlier as well, the fat cells convert the androgens from the adrenal glands into estrone, that E1. It's really difficult to get rid of and, and people really struggle. So sometimes eating a, when I say lower carb, I mean, you know, having the cruciferous vegetables and having nature's carbohydrates to support the gut health. But that, mm -hmm. that move in itself can be beneficial. And actually the processed carbohydrates tend to be the problem there. And then progesterone, with that being lower, yes. that causes us to have low GABA, which is a calming chemical neurotransmitter in the brain. So we too tend to get a bit more irate, more angry. And so there's lots of foods that we can, you know, progesterone, we need a lot of magnesium, vitamin C to help support it. So it's eating the correct foods that will help support the, the, the progesterone development. So, you know, whether it's just like, you know, squash, you know, butternut squash and or sweet potatoes, for example, so the certain foods that can help boost those hormones. Um, and, so, and and again, with testosterone as well, we know, we know, we know strength training, we know when we exercise in the midlife, a lot of women find that they go to spinning five times a week and they come back and they say, I'm eating well and I'm, you know, I'm exercising five times a week and I just can't lose weight. And it's because they're doing the wrong types yes. of exercise. I, I would definitely, 
not do a spin class. I, I will lift weights, yes. I will do push-ups, but I will not do a spin class. I simply don't see the benefit of it, to be honest. And I know that's probably controversial. It's going to trigger a few people, but that's that's my view, having researched it. I think, I think we need to be working smarter, not harder when it comes to exercise, because mm-hmm. exercising in excess, like I've mentioned, can be damaging from a hormonal point of view. It will increase our cortisol levels. Cortisol will impact our sleep. It will raise our blood sugars. You know, it's a stress hormone which should be raised in the short term when we're faced with stresses. But in today's society, when we're stressed all the time, it's chronically raised and it can cause long term health consequences from being chronically raised. It'll impact sleep. So people tend to drink a lot more to help them sleep, which will impact their, you know, the sleep quality and the architecture. So it's they're so interrelated, all of the um, hormones in particular. But from from an exercise point of view, like you said, Liz, you know, you do a lot of strength training. We we lose muscle mass as we get older. Muscles have got a lot of mitochondria, which is the powerhouses of our cells in them. In the muscles, because they're so dense of, with mitochondria, that's it's so important for our metabolic rate. So if we're losing that muscle, which is important for our metabolic rate, it kind of slows down because of the fact we're losing muscle mass. So building that muscle mass is so important. You know, Gabrielle Leon talks about it being the organ of longevity. Oh, she's been on the show. I love her. She's fantastic. Big fan. And and muscle is our largest organ. It's not our skin. It is our muscle. It is our largest organ. And so we need to support that by strength training the major muscles at least two times a week, if not more on non-consecutive days. And that will help not just with building, um, you know, it'll help increase testosterone, but it also increases BDNF, which is like miracle growth for the brain. There's so many benefits to Uh, strength training. So many. Now, lastly, before we finish, I'm just going to end, hopefully on a positive note, talking about love and relationships. And, you know, there's increasing Mm. evidence that healthy relationships, loving human interaction are a key pillar in the longevity story. And I certainly have a whole chapter in my new book actually focused on love and relationships and sex as well, actually, but that's another story. But menopause Mm -hmm. obviously can affect so many women with this. And from my understanding, hormonal imbalances can lead to that kind of distancing uh, you know the social isolation the feeling angry that the the triggering arguments for example that we're more likely to have will all these things help regulate that and actually help to improve the outcome of of our romantic life as well so um, it's really interesting you've mentioned this and I'm a oxytocin which is the love hormone that I call in my book is you know at the top of the hormone hierarchy for me I think it's really important so positive psychology connectiveness and the importance of trying to boost that oxytocin in balancing the hormones out below and it's a very alkalining hormone as well it's there's so many benefits to oxytocin like I said the hormones beneath oxytocin include cortisol and then at the bottom of that hierarchy I've got a diagram in my book is the sex hormones because if we're not feeling secure and safe we're not going to want to you know reproduce and that's why we push people away but I think engaging in activities to try and boost it you know whether it's as simple as petting your dog or mm-hmm. asking someone for a hug I mean my 11 year old says <laughs> to me mommy I need some oxytocin will you give me a hug and oh, she's that. 11 and I'm trying to make her hormone great? intelligence at yeah. this age yeah yeah amazing <laughs> and interestingly enough Liz you know she's 11 she started a period and again school have asked me to give a talk because they're exposed to all of these xenoestrogens and we're seeing an alarming rate of girls 
so young starting their periods so because of yeah. because of excess fat, xenoestrogens, obesogens in the environment that they're being exposed to. Um, but I'm a huge fan of oxytocin and positivity, positive psychology, yes. social connectedness. Um, and what we can do to try and, you know, whether it's just being grateful, gratitude. I mean, there's so gratitude. much science that shows, yes. yeah, the, the impact on all yeah. of those things. Absolutely. And hopefully this message will spread far and wide and we will have greater understanding of it. And I think we certainly owe it to our daughters and granddaughters and, and the generations coming uh, beyond us, as well as, of course, our current community. Millie, thank you so much. I just think that was a brilliant crash course in hormonal health and I'm sure will have resonated with a lot of listeners. So I'm hugely grateful for your time and very best of luck with your book, which is very insightful. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I sincerely hope that you feel not only educated, but empowered after that deep dive. And I tell you, by the way, that we're definitely going to be doing even deeper dives into all things menopausal in the not too distant future, including things like intermittent fasting, time restricted eating that Millie did touch on very briefly earlier. And of course, they do feature in her book as well. And if you want to be able to hear that and all future episodes ad free, and 24 hours early, you can now subscribe to the Lizelle Wellbeing Show Plus on Apple Podcasts for a very small monthly fee. And while you're on your podcast platform, by the way, do please leave us a review. I always absolutely love to hear what you make of these conversations. In fact, Lady Louvet left a comment saying... The whole story of intermittent fasting has been her, quote, favourite listen so far. So that would have been the episode with Megan Ramos. And Melissa says, love this podcast. I'm always writing down notes from your guests' hacks. Well, you and me both, Melissa, I am always scribbling things to go back to, literally, as I am recording and interviewing. Well, what did you jot down from this conversation with Millie? Do let me know on Instagram. We are at Lizelle Wellbeing. Oh, and while I have you, let me quickly tell you a little bit about the new book, A Better Second Half, that I mentioned. It is, of course, everything that you need to know to live a longer, healthier, happier life. Literally ways to dial back our age. Not just all about beauty and how we look, but much more importantly, how we feel and how we can age well in our second half of life. It is up on Amazon now to pre-order, or of course you can pre-order it through bookshops as well, which is actually really helpful because it helps to get the word out that these topics for midlife women and our health are so, so important. Well, until the next time we chat, go well. Goodbye. The Lizelle Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Lizelle, and is produced by Anushka Tate for Fresh Air Production, with additional production support from Ellie Smith. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odour control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.